Searching the Scriptures with Watchman Alexander, Episode 5. Is everybody in the world going to die before someone finds the answer? Do I have to remind you that theory is the beginning of solution? What are we up against? Is it a dangerous thing? All I've ever known to be true is a lie. I didn't say it would be easy. I just said it would be the truth. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Welcome to Searching the Scriptures with Watchman Alexander where we break away from religious systems and man-made dogma to learn the Word of God from an independent Hebraic perspective. And now your host, the prophecy buff who tackles the tough stuff, Alexander Lawrence. Hello and shalom. The hour is late, the time is short, and the storm is coming. So this is your opportunity to do a systems check. I'm here to wake up the sleeping servants of Yahweh God and equip them for the last days. I do that by teaching discernment, pouring over prophecies, treating the infection of Mystery Babylon in the church, and giving you courage. My book is Leviathan's Ruse, the comprehensive guide to the battle between good and evil, and my website is watchmanalexander.com. I have two guests on for tonight's show, Tom Dunn and Jared Cressman. They're the makers of a recently released documentary film called Detestable. Detestable is about the victims of satanic ritual abuse. It's about people whose lives have been dramatically changed through trauma brought on by ritual activity. Yes, this really is happening, and in increasing amounts. It's something that we, as the Assembly of Messiah, need to be aware of and need to be fighting against. We are really the only defense against this kind of behavior. Our prayers and petitions and our vigilance in keeping an eye out for victims is what's going to make a difference in this whole area. So that being said, tonight's show is obviously not for kids. You do not want to let young family members listen to this. In fact, the adults who are listening should probably get themselves prepared emotionally and say a prayer and get into the right place spiritually before you listen to this, because it is difficult. If it's not something that you've encountered before, especially, it's going to be hard to hear. I think it's something that we need to hear, but it's not an easy pill to swallow. I do have to apologize for the sound quality on tonight's show. So when I recorded this, I was trying out a new piece of software, uh, some free software that would work with Skype to record the interview. And unfortunately, uh, I found out why it was free, because It did not work very well. I did a test before the show and the results of the test sounded okay. So I went ahead and did the whole interview, but then listening to it afterwards, I realized there was an echo every time one of my guests spoke. Uh, Plus the sound quality in general just isn't that great. So I apologize, but I hope you'll still listen to the interview anyway. It's very eye-opening. So without further ado, here we go. To get started, I'm just going to read you a little bit off of the back of the DVD case for this film. It says, For over 35 years, individuals have been coming forward with stories that are so horrifying that most people find them hard to believe. These accounts detail traumatic memories of satanic rituals that involve human sacrifice, sexual abuse, and mind control techniques. 
Even though the reports have been dismissed as nothing more than panic and myth, the victims refuse to go away. As witnesses continue to emerge, the reality of an underground power of lawlessness becomes difficult to conceal. Detestable takes you on a journey from ritual abuse to redemption, from the book of Ezekiel to the present day, exposing a dark secret that will no longer be ignored. With courage and boldness, the survivors relive their nightmares and give hope to all who are suffering. Sounds very interesting, and I've watched it, and it is, in fact, incredibly intriguing. There's a a lot of tough stuff in there, but like I said, I think it's stuff that we need to talk about, that God would have us to tackle. So, with that being said, thank you guys so much for being on tonight. Thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, thank you, Alex. We appreciate it so much. Absolutely. So the way that I got connected with you guys is that I was at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas and Jared approached me and we just got to talking about some things. And he also handed me a copy of his documentary. Um, So, of course, I went home and I watched it as soon as I had the opportunity. And uh, and I was very impressed by by the mission that you're on here, by what you're trying to do, because there are very few people who are willing to attack these kinds of issues because even in the Christian world where we believe in Satan uh, for the most part, you know, the, the um, Bible believing Christians would acknowledge that there is a Satan to believe that it goes in, all the way into um, the abuse and the, uh, the, the incredible kinds of stories that we have in this documentary um, that would just make anybody sick to their stomach is is really hard for a lot of people, even Bible believing Christians, to to deal with. So um, I'm proud of you guys for tackling this. And I have to wonder, um, you know, what your motivations were, because I know this wasn't about making money. I know this was born out of a desire to help people. So what were your motivations? Go ahead, Tom. You start. Well, you know, as you're explaining that. I think that Jared and I really take it for granted exactly what we did. And that's not to, um, that's not to pop us up in any way, but because we have been kind of um, thrust in to this life where we're dealing with these, these people and these survivors and we're trying to help them and we're trying to understand them and we're trying to investigate um, it's a lot easier for us than it is the average person. And I think we take for granted how scary it is for a lot of people, including believers. Um, our motivation is exposure, edifying the church, seeing people set free, seeing people saved. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, those, those two things are the biggest things and many more. but. I guess, you know, um, I, I just got so many things in my heart, you know, and, and the idea behind the film was to present this to the church in a way that they could believe it, that they could say, okay, this is a reality. This is something that I understand happens, which I think if you ask just your average, you know, um, Christian that sits in a pew, you know, on a Sunday morning, they would agree, yeah, there's stuff out there that happens, but I don't think they understand how big the network is, how sophisticated it is, how widespread it is, and 
you know, even even some of the details of the horrible things they do. So, I mean, that, that was one of the main motivators to give survivors hope, definitely, and uh, to, um, to kind of light a fire under the Christians and say, hey, this is something that we should not be afraid of. Uh, we need we need to go after this in one way or another, whether it's through prayer, whether it's boots on the ground, whether it's supporting somebody else who's actually going after this because this is real and it's sophisticated and uh, we need to be pre- prepared because it's not going away. Yeah, and it's funny you ask that, Alexander, because you know, most of the time people ask us the backstory around the movie and they don't necessarily I don't know if I've ever thought about like our motivation necessarily, especially on like a podcast, any of the other podcasts we've done. But I guess an interesting point that comes to mind was all of the conversations that Tom and I had um, in the process of making the movie. Anybody that studies satanic ritual abuse understands it's a dark subject. And so being the, the fact that we were making the movie primarily for Christian people to introduce uh, you know, regular church folks to the topic of satanic ritual abuse, that it was important for us to do it in a way that it would be received well. And I don't necessarily know that we achieved that. Um, we had lots of conversations about how dark should this film be? Because this is a dark subject. And what's interesting is, you know, when Tom was talking about us taking it for granted, I think we absolutely have. Because when we got done with the film, we're like, wow, this wasn't even half as dark as we could have made it. We really tried to make this subject the, as as least dark as possible so that people could understand just what was... It was this was an introduction to this subject. You know, that's all this was, was an introduction to the idea and the material and the stories, some basic stories that, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people share similar stories to the ones you're going to hear in the film. And when we were done with the film, we said... I think we did a really good job at not sensationalizing this topic, presenting it in a Christ-like manner in, in, in truth, but not not just making it dark for the sake of making it dark. But and you still overwhelm people. It still overwhelmed people, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that we took for granted because, you know, here we sat back and we're like, we did a good job. No one's going to be freaked out by this. This is cookie-cutter stuff in this field. And instead, it was still just the basics were completely overwhelming. And I feel like to Tom and I, that's probably been the most interesting thing. We've had an overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive response to the film. We have had very few criticisms, um, except for. But I will tell you, the only criticism Tom and I have taken, and, and we take it very well, we love constructive criticism, has been the only people that aren't that don't praise the film are the people that weren't able to finish it. And that is something that we see very often at this point is somebody that has watched the film says to a friend or another family member or something, you've got to watch this film. This film is just, this is crazy. you got to, you got to see what these people are talking about, what they did, what they went through. They pass the film along. They, they get the film back. They say, what do you think? The people, you know, the friends or family will say, well, we didn't finish it. We only made it 30 minutes. We couldn't do it. You know, and so it's either you watch it and, and you get it or you can't take it and you can't, you can't make it more than 30 minutes through the movie. And that has been interesting for us. Yeah, uh, there are. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who don't really want to look to the dark side of the world that they're living in. They, they just want to avoid it as much as possible. And, and, you know, those people might even watch the nightly news and might even read uh, newspapers and see 
or get exposure to a lot of the terrible stuff that's going on, but they're detached from it. And really, um, we get used to a lot of the war and the crime and stuff from a journalistic perspective. But when you start to see interviews with actual people who have been through these incredibly traumatic events and you feel their emotion and, um, and you hear about in detail about the things that happened, that makes it real. That brings it home in a whole new way. And so it's very difficult to deal with if you're not already prepared in the spirit to know that, well, just to know how bad the enemy really is and how far he takes things um, if he has the opportunity, but then also to know how much God hates it and how much God wants to stop that sort of thing from happening. If only his people who are here in the world, who are his hands and feet would go about doing that. And so that's why I think it's so important. You've brought this to us. Well, you make a good point in that when when you talk about hearing the stories from the victims in the film, and I think that when Tom and I finally decided to make the movie, which Tom Tom was the reason the movie got going. Tom had already decided to make the movie when he asked me if I wanted to produce it. Tom and I were good friends at this point, and um, we'd been helping each other on different cases, and and you know so on and so forth. So Tom and I had a lot in common already, and. Um, Tom and I both thought making a movie on this topic would be a great idea. Well, Tom got confirmation and, and, and things started rolling on his end. He, he's the director of the film. He, he had the vision. I was just supportive, you know. Um, one of those things that we, we – one of the reasons why we went ahead and did the movie, though, on top of all of that, which we haven't really talked about, is – you know, Tom and I have both done a lot of public speaking. And a lot of times when you hear stories of satanic ritual abuse, it comes from a minister or an investigator or a law enforcement professional. They tell stories of satanic ritual abuse, but the stories are always detached from reality in that they're coming from a secondhand source. You know, you're the middleman. There's no emotion in it. You're just you're, you're talking about the facts of a case and people can say, oh, that sounds crazy. But Tom and I, having done lots of public speaking and spoken on these issues many, many times in front of people, decided let's just, you know, the the stories of these victims deserves to be told. They have suffered unimaginable atrocities. Their lives have been full of tragedy. All, All of them still have not completely, none of them will completely heal from the emotional scars that were created by the events described in the film. And we said their stories deserve to be told. They deserve a platform to be able to talk about this, right, where people are not ridiculing them or telling them that they have concocted these memories. And so putting them in front of a camera, and and they were brave. I mean brave. Kim was brave. Guy was brave. Claudia was brave. Everybody in the film that gave a testimony, Brian was brave. Um. they were able to convey these stories in a way that only they could because they lived them. And so when you watch these stories, you're not just getting the facts of, of something that happened. You're getting the raw emotion that still lingers as a result of having suffered these things. And that is, seems to be the difference between this movie and any other documentary that has been done on the subject is that somehow God blessed us with being able to capture raw emotion attached to these events that hits home in a very different way. So from what I've understood over the past couple of years, cause I've gotten a lot more education in abuse in general in the last, I'd say three or four years. 
I've realized just how widespread abuse against children is in the developed world. I mean, probably everywhere, but what I know about is in kind of the Western world. And there are people in my family who have had this kind of, um, you know, sexual abuse or emotional abuse, um, sometimes physical abuse happened to them. There are uh, people in the churches that I've gone to, men and women who were sexually abused as children. And it's a big, big problem. I didn't realize how frequent it is and how frequently it comes from the families themselves, not from outsiders. Although outsiders can be a problem too, definitely. But um, usually it's from family members, unfortunately. Well, the church has, has kind of got a finger on that to some degree. I mean, we're, there's more awareness of it. But specifically when it comes to abuse that was motivated by r- ritual means or um, ritual purposes, um, that's a little bit of a smaller slice of the pie. But why is that still important? Why should we understand that? And how do we treat that differently from the regular and and somewhat more common forms of sexual abuse that are motivated just by selfishness? Well, yeah, go ahead, Tom. When we're talking about SRA, we call it SRA, satanic ritual abuse, okay? This is abuse that occurs in the context of a ritual, okay, in a ritual setting. Um, many of us, if we've seen any kind of horror movie, uh, especially in the last five years, and maybe a lot of people haven't, but uh, they have scenes in there that are ritual scenes that involve satanic cults, you know. I'm thinking of a um, of a movie I saw when I was a little kid with Vincent Price. It was called The Fall of the House of Usher. And they had your stereotypical uh, Satanist in the movie wearing robes, you know, doing rituals. I saw that when I was probably, I don't know, right around 10 years old. It scared me to death. So um, at that point in my life. But anyway, we're talking about sexual abuse, physical abuse. In the setting of a ritual where people are worshiping the devil, where they're um, calling on demonic presence, and the the actual abuse is like, I mean, it's bringing worship to Satan. This is this is what he thrives on. This is what he loves. Okay, when um, when we study, you know, God's word, we look and uh, we can see human sacrifice. We can see uh, bloodshed. We can see uh, when uh, Elijah went up against uh, um, uh, on, on Mount Carmel, and he was going up against um, the prophets of Baal. Is that right? What, am I messing this up? I'm just like... No, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think I'm going blank there for a second. But what were they doing? They were cutting themselves. They were bloodletting. Okay, this was all to, to empower the demonic. So, um, and I'm, I'm kind of going to a bunch of different places here, but sexual abuse is horrible in any circumstance. And it, I mean, it's a nightmare. And you're right. There's no family that's not touched by this. this is, I mean, it's crazy how widespread it is, you know, and I can I can look at my family and know of instances in our history where this has taken place, you know, generations ago, stories that have been told to me. So, um it's all bad, but 
what what makes this different different, and this happens sometimes when um, you know in just um, sexual abuse that doesn't take place in a ritual setting is there is a split in the psyche where there's only so much that our mind can take with the abuse, with the torture, with the physical pain, and it causes our our personality to split off into different personalities. Um, the, the first film that was ever made about this was Sybil. I saw this again when I was about 12 years old and began to learn about this. So, um, and from extreme abuse, it's almost like a self-defense mechanism that our, that our body has to help us cope with this torture. And when this happens to a child five years old or younger, it opens up doors for these cultists, for whoever is uh, applying this abuse, to be able to program these personalities to do certain tasks, whether it would be um, spy programming, priest programming, whether it would be sometimes they're programmed to go into churches, to infiltrate churches, to uh, be uh, sex slaves. You know, I could go on and on and on about the different things that they do. And I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I just kind of took it and went there in, in uh, a bunch of different directions. No, that's good stuff. Jerry, do you have anything to add to that? Well, um, one of the reasons why I think that, uh, you, yeah, when we're looking at the, the cases of abuse as a whole, right, and we separate the idea of, um, satanic ritual abuse from, you know, opportunistic crimes, you know, that, that end with just sexual molestation or something. One of the reasons why I think it's important to understand that satanic ritual abuse exists is because oftentimes cases of sexual abuse get misdiagnosed as just sexual abuse when in reality there was a satanic ritual component, you know? So, in our opinion, even though satanic ritual abuse might be a smaller slice of the pie in the world of abuse in total, it's still a lot bigger than most people really have any comprehension of, and it's growing. And so for people to be ignorant that these things are taking place, they're going to miss the signs of it actually happening when they find a case of abuse. And one of the reasons why this is important is because whereas somebody can be molested or, you know, um, abused in some shape, form, or fashion, just simply as, you know, as an opportunistic thing of a predator being present and, and, and engaging in such a fashion. Um, the problem is that when you have the satanic thing working behind the scenes, well, let me, let me back up. With the satanic component, it's never going to stop. You have a coven that's doing it on purpose, is my point. And so if with regular abuse, sometimes it can go on for years, sometimes it can happen once and it's over with. But if there's a ritual component to it, then you know that there's something going on where it's never going to stop until you put an end to that covenant or you bring exposure to it in some form or fashion. So in, when you're able to identify the ritual components of the abuse, you're able to target the people that are involved, and, and that's where you can do a lot of damage in putting an end to it long term. If that makes sense. I hope I'm making sense there. Yes, it does. It does. What about the victims in your film? How did you find them, and, and how did you know that they were abused in these ways? Uh, a couple different ways. Um, when when I 
made the announcement that I was going to make the film, I, I just kind of put it out there if, if anybody's interested in being involved in this project, if you have a story, we'd like to hear it. So I, we kind of hesitated to do that, but we went ahead and did it anyway because we thought that would help us bring some people out that would, um, you know, would want to tell their story, and it did. And that's how we got uh, uh, in contact with Kim. Now, a lot of people contacted me that did not want to tell their story on film, but they wanted me to tell their story, which was fine. Um, but, you know, finding people that are able to do this, that are not afraid of any backlash, that's difficult. So, and then also, you're, you could be setting yourself up for somebody coming in to infiltrate you or coming in to manipulate you in some way. So, um, when, when we got in touch with Kim, uh, for example, we vetted it out. We talked to her, we prayed about it. We interviewed her over the phone. Jared and I did a three-way conversation with her, and we uh, we just got her to tell us, you know, um, her story. And we were just like, okay, this this is legit, and we want to have her in the film. We prayed about it. We didn't get any reservations, you know, and we went ahead and did it. Now, Guy, um, who's in the film, also he um, he came from Oregon all the way to Ohio seeking deliverance and when he did that um he told me a story and i was like wow i want to put you in the film he said he said he would do it and i said well i'm going to come out there to where this stuff happened i want you to take me you know back to the places and he did and that's how we found him so um i'll give you another example uh debbie who was in the film she found out that i was making the film and she said i'm so glad you're making this film I know this stuff is real. This is what I've been through. And she wasn't an actual um, victim, but she and her husband, um, her husband became a pastor of this church in this small Ohio town. And it was a very powerful church, powerful in the Lord, and people were getting saved. And it was causing problems for the satanic cult that was running this town. So they sent infiltrators into the church to try and stop, stop the church, make the pastor fall. This happens a lot. So, and the, the power of God was so strong in this church, it broke down the programming of the infiltrator. So, and that was her story. But when she told me, she said, I'm so glad you're doing this, um, this, this movie, this is real. And I said, tell me your story. And when she did, I said, hey, would you be in the film? Because you are so credible and you are, you know, you're the kind of um, witness that I would like. Somebody, you know, she's just a normal pastor's wife who's mind her own business. and didn't really take into consideration even the possibility of a satanic cult, you know, coming against her and her husband. And she woke up real quick to what was going on. Yeah, I guess she did. Oh, um, so were you flying out to see the victims or, or doing interstate trips to get to them uh, for the most part? Yeah. Um, yeah, for the most part, I went to them wherever they were. Um, I can't think of anybody that really came to me. Yeah, I mean, I went, I flew out to Canada, I flew out to California to meet Greg, and um, then uh, to Oregon to meet Guy. When we went up to Alberta, Canada, and they, um, uh, Kim and her husband picked me up up there. And uh, the other place I went to was Kentucky and in Ohio. So filmed some of the stuff in Texas also. 
Where did the funds come from to do that? Um, I did, I did a fundraiser just through my Facebook page. I just, I made a film and I did a really soft push. I said, Hey, um, if, uh, if you're interested in supporting this, this is what I'm going to do. I, I was really, that was one of the scariest parts. I was like, I told the Lord, I said, I don't have any money to do this, Lord. I don't. And I said, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to, you're going to have to supply it. And I, and he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it, you know? And he didn't say it like that, but you know, he just gave me a piece about it. And I was like, okay. And you know, I went and told my wife, I was like, okay, this is going to sound crazy. We don't have money to do this, but this is what the Lord told me. And she said, okay, I support you, I guess, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and it, she was nervous about it, but I'm telling you what, every dime, you know, that we needed came in and we made it on a very modest budget of less than $8,000, which is super cheap. And, um, you know, I, I really, I really like the style of the way I did this. I could have, you know, we could have doubled or tripled the budget and made, you know, fix a lot of things in the film, especially, you know, um, the uh, production quality, but personally, it was just kind of like guerrilla filmmaking. I, I got a camera that I could fit in my backpack and I, you know, hopped on a plane and took off and we, I just shot it. You know, I shot everything myself. And some people ask, why did you shoot it straight on? I said, because I didn't have a cameraman and I needed, I needed to be able to look in that camera and make sure the camera's working because if I don't get it, then I missed, I, I, I lose the film. So they were like, that's not, you know, that's not a good way to shoot the film. Well, I did it that way, you know, because that's the only way I could do it. And then I would set up another camera on a tripod and, you know, set that up and record that. And But, you know, the thing is, it's so confronting looking straight into the person's eyes, looking right into the camera. They're looking at me right behind the camera. So I really, I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. So Yeah, and it was the content that was important, you know, the... Yeah. Obviously, it helps if you have good production quality so that people aren't even really thinking about the visuals or the feel of the um, the editing or whatever it may be. But you still did it and it was fine. I mean, yeah, you could like you said, you could have had a bigger budget that would have allowed you to do a lot more stuff um, with the visuals and the music and the editing. But what was what needed to be said was said what you needed to capture you captured. Um, so I was grateful to have the information. Um, right. I wanted to ask you about how you felt during the filmmaking. Did you guys during the, the production or the actual filming uh, experience any sort of spiritual warfare? <laughs> I take that as a yeah, yes. That's an understatement. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's uh, yeah. I mean, but we know, we're we're not new. To, we're not new to this game. We didn't. Um, you know, Tom's Tom a lot more seasoned than just the average person that works in deliverance. And we've seen people get crushed in this ministry. We've seen people die in this ministry. We've seen we've seen a lot. We we knew what we were getting into. And, but at the same time, we knew we were supposed to do it, right? And that, that's the difference between some people that get crushed in this ministry and some people that don't. Some people get involved because they think it's cool 
to get involved in, in you know chasing demons and chasing ritual abuse and covens and they there's a romantic element to that that they enjoy pursuing. Todd, we weren't called to do this. We don't want. To, we honestly don't want to do this to this day. Like, we don't want any part of this ministry. At, you know, but we're called to do it. And in that, there's a there's a certain protection. You're just being obedient, right? And so we know when God put us to go out there and do this. You well, let me put it this way. You know, spiritually, we consider ourselves fighters in in the deliverance game, and I personally get really tired of cookie-cutter church stuff where people are always screaming about the devil attacking them. All right, it's warfare. If you're in battle, you're supposed to be attacked. If you were in a fight, nobody was attacking you. It's not a fight. You know, I get tired of people always screaming and yelling because they're getting hit. When you step into a boxing ring, you are going to get hit. There's no way around that. Tom and I knew going into this movie that we're going into a fight. We knew that we weren't going to come out unscathed, but God told us it was going to be good. We really ramped up fasting. I mean, fasting was a big part of, of the behind the scenes in this movie. Um, we got phone calls from people that have some high level sources. We, even on a low budget doing this film, we actually we were actually tripping some web uh, some some uh, web strings of the spider's web all the way in Hollywood. You know, we had we had upset some some big people by going after some of the stuff we did because some of this took place in California, where some of these rituals happened. There were connections to much, much many people that were much higher up in, in old school, and we don't have a lot of time to go into all of that. What I'm just saying is. We caught the attention of, of people that are capable of, of fighting at an elite level. And, um, and yeah, we had some serious spiritual warfare, but we also had some serious covering. And um, some of that, you know, is still not over. You know, there's still elements of this film that um, are peaking interest, and we're still getting residual from that. But, it's, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's a fight. This is what we do, and God protects us. And as long as we stay prayed up and, and try to keep – you know, you know, live a righteous lifestyle and, and, and you know, um, practice, you know, stay, staying away from simple activity, eliminating as many doors as possible um, and, and staying tuned into the Holy Spirit. You know, he's equipped us with everything that we need to be successful. And it's a it's a journey that I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah, I would uh, I would uh, just echo everything that Jared said when I started making the film, even before I. Um, announced it publicly i contacted um several um prayer warrior friends and just asked them to start praying and they continued praying for me um throughout the making of the whole film and i was very um i kept my um cards real close to the chest i did not let a lot of people know what i was doing and i wanted to give updates about the film because things were going really good but i didn't want the enemy to uh to see what was going on so i um especially during the editing process i was uh i kept things real quiet and didn't want you know anyone to know you know how i was doing i had um i had a good friend who um who really supported me and he said i'm going to fast for you every wednesday for this film and uh just encouraged me supported me and when I left for Oregon, I didn't know it, but he died that morning in his basement. He lay down there for four days. Nobody knew he was dead. And I didn't find out until the day after I got back. And, um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, this happened, you know, had anything to do with my film. 
But this guy was in warfare, you know, for me. I mean, he was up there in age, but it was still kind of a shock. But what I'm saying is that that moment was it was difficult for me because here was this guy that was supporting me. He was fasting for me, and um, you know, he passed away. So I mean, the, the toughest part for me, spiritual warfare wise, was in the editing process. And I knew that I would finish it. I would go all the way to the end. I knew that I would be protected. I knew no harm would come to me. I had that confidence going all the way through because God told me. And those of us, you know, those people that understand what I'm saying, they know what I mean. Um, he, he told me everything's going to be okay. You're going to complete this, which was a crazy thing for me because I don't finish a lot of things I start personally. <laughs> And I know this was the Lord because we, we went all the way to the end and, and we did it. And uh, all glory to him. All praise to him. In, in 10 months, by the way. I mean, from start to finish, everything yeah. in 10 months. We, and we had to do it quick because I didn't want to leave this hanging out there. Okay. Because it would not have gotten finished, I don't think, if we didn't set a quick goal and just get this done. And I mean, I could have, when I was editing it, there's a lot of things I could have did. I could have taken another two months to edit it and just tighten things up. But I felt like it was so important, spiritual warfare wise, to get the film done and just just get it sent out for duplication um, that I just couldn't wait any longer. I mean, I, like I said, I could have fixed it up and did a ton of things, but it was just, it had to get out there. Yeah. Bless God. He gives us exactly the fire inside and the resources that we need to get done what he's called us to do. Yeah. I mean, you went through that with your book. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested in Alexander, what you went through writing the book. Did you, did you encounter spiritual warfare? A little, um, actually that's an interesting question looking back on it. Cause it took so long, you know, it was over such a long period of time that, it would be how hard for me to say. You, how, how long did it take you to write that book? A couple of years, including the research. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, and I'm a big fan of your book. I mean, that's why I came up to you. It was because here's the Watchmen. Um, I didn't, well, I didn't recognize you. I'd never seen your face, but I had heard your interview on Josh Holly, and I remember writing down the name of your book. I was like, man, that sounds like an interesting book, and I didn't completely understand what it was about. And it had probably been months and months as I listened to the interview when I showed up. At, at Hear the Watchman, but I walked by and I saw that book, and that entire weekend, that was, I was like, I gotta buy that book, because I remember I was really interested in it. I couldn't remember 100% why I was interested in it, but I was just interested in it, and when books stand out to me, I have to buy them. And so I uh, I bought your book, and, and I, really even, I really enjoyed your book a lot, and I was just kind of wondering myself about... You know, anytime a person engages in producing something, whether it be a movie or a book, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But that's something I've been curious about is on the backside, not only doing the research, but going through, maybe even now as, as the book grows. I've just wondered if, you know, if you've encountered any spiritual warfare, being that you're exposing certain occult themes and other issues that you raise in your book that they directly relate to the things that we're doing, whereas you don't talk specifically about them. There are many things in your book that are related to what we do, we run into on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, it would have been a good idea to keep a journal. Maybe next time I'll do that um, of how I'm feeling and you know what's going on as I'm 
writing because there may indeed have been some stuff happening that I didn't really realize. Um, you know, there were a couple of major bumps in the road during that time. Um, God got us through them, but you know, we were, we were just trying to be as prayerful and, uh, submitted as possible during that whole thing. So there's no telling what actually just telling my congregation yesterday that, um, God had told my wife during one of her prayer times that she had no idea how much he had saved me from. And I don't know what time period he was talking about because he didn't specify that to her, whether that was, you know, my whole life or just since she and I have been together or what. But that was interesting to hear that, you know, I've been protected from a lot of things that I don't even know about. Uh, So maybe, yeah, he had my back during the whole writing process. Dude, that's that's a prayer that a prayer of praise that I pray on many occasions because the same thing here. Anytime you're involved in this ministry in whatever shape, um, I thank God all the time for taking care of problems before I ever even knew they were possible. And so, you know, even the ones that we encounter, you know, I have to ask myself how many would have been worse had God not intervened. You know, if God intervened in these problems and this warfare without our knowing it. Well, there's no way to thank him for it. And, and I know that he's done that, though. I know I have not had to suffer certain things. And Thomas had not, not had to suffer certain things because of God's sovereign hand behind the scenes. And that's a prayer I pray often. Thank you for taking care of problems before I ever even knew they were possible. And that's that's amazing. I, I, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to I want to add a couple of things real quick. One is. And I think Jared would agree with this. Most of the um, of the warfare has happened after the release of the movie, and I think one of the reasons for that is we lost a lot of our cover. We had a lot of cover of people praying for us when we were making the movie, but when it was over, when it was out, you know, I think uh, that urgency went away, and we were vulnerable uh, more for backlash. I, you know, I, I let my guard down too. You know. So, and that happens a lot. And I just mentioned that just as a, uh, as a teaching moment for anybody listening. Um, don't let your guard down, you know. Don't, don't let any doors open. Um, early on in making the film, I had, um, there was a night where I was taking my um, youngest son to a Christian concert in uh, Columbus. And I had bought the tickets months before um, I even knew I was going to make the movie. And I went down there. I was real bugged that night. I was—I didn't even want to go. I was just like, man, I got to—I got to put on a face here because I don't want my son not to have a good time at this at this concert. It's actually a Toby Mac concert, okay? So, um, and I went down there. I was so bugged. I just had the movie in the back of my mind. I'm like, I, I was just uh, weighted down by this burden and just thinking about just all the different things and what we were up against. And I'm not kidding you. Man, it seemed like every time they talked, they were talking directly to me. Every single person, you know, on that stage, the different performers, you know, whether it was Toby Mack or whoever else was uh, playing that night, it seemed like they were speaking directly to me and telling me. It was like a, it was like a, a concert that was designed to encourage somebody that was making a movie about satanic ritual abuse. And I was just blown away. It's just like every single thing they said was directed. Um, write at me about exactly what I was doing at that moment. And I don't know, I don't think I've ever told that story before, but um, it's just neat how that works out. Isn't that awesome? You know, the other day, 
And this is just after uh, losing employment and trying to figure out what we were going to do next. And, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit of the panic mode there of, okay, hang on, how much money do we have to survive? How long is this going to last us and all that? Uh, and I took a day off to have like a little spiritual retreat. And that morning I went out for a walk, put the headphones in and turned on some praise music uh, just on the you know radio. And the first five or six songs at least were exactly what I needed to hear. I mean, it was like God had just picked those particular songs because the lyrics were just amazing to give me courage and to help me know that he was going to take care of me. And, um, you know, we just needed to do what he wanted us to do. And it, it just spoke directly to me. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason earlier that I mentioned or asked about how, how much it cost to go film the interviews is because I, I figured it probably came out of your pocket or you did a small fundraiser, had a little bit of help from it, but um, you know, it, it probably wasn't any sort of a, you know, one large donor or patron, but think about if more people become more people in the church become aware of this topic and are willing to help out with it. Those who have resources will be able to provide more money so that we can do this kind of thing more so that people who are filmmakers like yourselves can get together the kind of crew that they need and the equipment that they need to be able to make documentaries or go on exposés, um, get into places they otherwise wouldn't be able to because they have the right resources. Unless we get the word out, there's not going to be enough people in the assembly of God that are going to know, I don't mean the denomination, by the way, just the, the assembly of the <laughs> Lord um, that are going to, to know that they have an opportunity to bless this. And also people who don't have that kind of resource can be praying. You know, you, like you said, we need the covering. So the more that we get this out there, the more people know that they have the opportunity to join in the mission by providing prayer cover, which like you said, is so important. Yeah. Well, well, and that's part of the reason. No, go ahead, Tom. Well, I was just going to mention that it was less than 45 people that funded this movie, which is amazing. 40, less than 45 people that donated. And I thought, wow, we know so many more people now, you know, just because the film's out now. And, and we've had a lot more people buy the movie, you know, but 45 people donated to make the movie happen. So I'm thinking, uh, wow, you know, if, if we ever do something again, I think we would have a lot more support now because we're a lot more well-known. And uh, I don't know when that's going to happen. It's going to have to be directed by the Lord. But um, Yeah, we're not exactly. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying there, um, no doubt. Well, Alexander, it's one of the reasons why we went ahead and started a, a YouTube channel, Shameless Plug here, because one of the things that we've encountered is, yeah, the... We, we, we did the movie, but, um, you know, we were going on lots of different radio shows and podcasts and things like that, uh, doing interviews about it. And then eventually those, those you know, doing the circuit, it dries up and, and, you know, you sell what you sell and, and a certain amount of people get interested and then that's it. And uh, unless there's a continuous platform, you know, for this, then 
you know, it's 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 a subject that we don't want to die out. You know, we don't want awareness of this to die out. We don't want the film to fade. And so what Tom and I did was we went ahead and started a YouTube channel called Through the Black, where we do live stream shows several times a week where we discuss spiritual warfare topics, but we also sometimes bring on other survivors to talk about uh, things that they encountered. We bring on other guests where we talk about similar topics. Really, we can talk about whatever we want. Uh, but what it, what it's done is created a, a platform for anything that we want to do detestable related that's continuous and ongoing and free for everybody. And so the content that we made available in the film that's uh, you know for sale, you know, to help support all this other stuff that we're doing, we also wanted to bring content for free to people, you know, that needed to can't afford to watch it. And um, that's one of the things that we do with our YouTube channel. And so here recently. Um, we just created a website called throughtheblack.com. It's become our central hub. We still have detestablefilm.com, but throughtheblack.com has become our central web website because of our growing YouTube channel. And uh, people can subscribe, watch our videos. They can go to throughtheblack.com. They can find uh, a merchandise tab to a line of spiritual warfare T-shirts that we created recently that are available on Amazon. Um, there are links to the film where you can purchase it on Vimeo or you can order a hard copy. It ships out of Ohio. Um, we've just tried to do as much as we can in the last year to create a platform where people can come and get information about these topics so we can continue to spread awareness and, and build a platform that's self-sustainable that'll help fund future projects. And so far, God really seems to be blessing that. And uh, we're encouraged with where it's heading and what God's being able to do with it already. I'm going to have to charge you for that plug. We'll talk about the fee after the show. No, I'm just kidding, man. That that was good. Um, put it put it on Jared's tab. <laughs> oh, I will. I actually went and did an interview on Through the Black not too long ago, uh, which was a lot of fun. It was really good, and it's a cool name. I like the the name of your channel there and your I guess your new website Through the Black. It, it has a a definite ring to it. So back to the the video. Something that I would have liked to see, I guess this is going to be a little bit of constructive criticism. I hope you guys will, will take it the right way. Um, as I was watching, I found myself wondering, how do I know that these people genuinely experienced the things that they experienced? Now, there were some of them that you could kind of feel, or at least I could feel in the spirit, this person is really reliving this. This person it has this emotion because they've actually gone through it. Um, but I couldn't vet through the spirit, everybody that was watching. And I thought, you know, there are people who, who are just off kilter, who will come up with all kinds of things. And some people will, um, will believe that they've experienced things that they haven't because they have mental problems. And some people just want attention and so on and so forth. So how do I know that these are true accounts? And, uh, and so if you do something like this again, I would kind of like to see a little bit more journalistic approach where you go after some other people in their families, in the community. You talk to the cops about you know, what kind of cases they had around the time that the uh, people were supposedly being victimized and, and just get it from multiple angles so that we have more witnesses. We have corroborating evidence and all of that. Is that something you guys might be willing to do on no, future projects? I think, I think that's a good comment. And um, again, there was 
there were so many things that I would have liked to do to it. And I, I had to make a decision at some point, stylistically, how the film was was going to play out. And everything everything that we did it was a conscious decision, you know, um, for just putting it out kind of raw the way we did. I mean, there was a lot of things visually that I wanted to do um, just to kind of give it that visual edge, you know what I'm saying, that I didn't do. And, um, you know, as far as, uh, like, investigation, like the, uh, like the police officer and stuff like that, uh, when, when I was in Oregon with Guy, we tried to track down the police officer that was mentioned in that story, and we couldn't track him down that day. So, um, but I guess, you know, I, I think, I think what you're saying is, is really good. And, um, it's definitely something, you know, that we are always considering it and we appreciate any kind of, uh, criticism, you know, constructive criticism that we get. And we, you know, we've been taking, you know, uh, any kind of feedback, but one of the things we got so many compliments on this film. And one of the things a lot of people were saying was the credibility of the witnesses was so high they could just tell that these guys are are telling the truth. And matter of fact, I think one of the best um, one of the best compliments came from uh, Jared's brother, and he was saying that he was really surprised that the people giving the testimonies weren't crazy. And I'm, I'm I may I might be messing that up, but. I was really blown away by what he said. You know, I mean, there was just a lot of people saying they felt that the um, that the uh, survivors and the witnesses were very credible. But no, I appreciate that, and um, I think more time. You know, if we would have had more time, we could have did a lot more stuff. You know, I um, one of the things I think one of the most amazing things about this uh, about this movie is I worked a full time job. Uh, 40 to 50 hours a week sometimes and I, <laughs> when I was making the movie. So um, yeah, I, and, uh, I would go out on the weekends and then um, I would fly out on the weekends, go film, come back, you know, sometimes late on a Sunday night and show up to work on Sunday morning. And I'm not making excuses, but and then the editing was even harder because I would work all day, go home, uh, go on a run, come back, and then just edited all night long and it's like wow you know there's got to be a break in here somewhere i agree that the credibility of the witnesses or uh, victims excuse me was very high even though there weren't a lot of other sources that you were able to bring in a lot of them did seem extremely genuine and and that kept me wanting to watch the next one and the next one and um yeah you could feel you could feel a lot of those folks were were really authentically victimized well, and I'll, let me add this. I, you know, I, I, I actually agree with you, Alexander. That was a, it was a topic of conversation Tom and I had many times. You know, we even had an idea. We ended up taking forty hours of footage. We compressed it into just over two hours. And so, you know, the closest thing I can think of that would pertain to what you know you're talking about would be like that new documentary, The Keepers, where seven episodes, each about an hour long. They explored one story and they exhausted every angle on each story. And Tom and I had talked about taking one story and doing that, but it, for whatever reason, it didn't. It didn't seem to be what what God was wanting to do with the the, the contacts we were making and the way that it was lining up. And what we ended up deciding was 
any skeptics, you know, in, in our in, in our um, in our time in this ministry, we have found that no matter how much evidence you have, journalistic integrity, evidence, things that you put forward, you have organizations that always come out and they try to squash that, no matter how true it is or how much evidence you have. Satanic ritual abuse is a research uh, is an avenue of research that's unlike any other, and that no matter how much credibility you have, no matter how much evidence, you always have this this extension of some organization that comes out and tries to squash it. And what we decided very quickly was we were not interested, and we did not believe we were called to make a film for skeptics, right? We felt we were called to make a film for people God was reaching out to, to open the eyes of Christians that would understand what it was and then get them motivated to pray about this topic. Because Tom and I are firmly convinced that unless... God moves in the lives of the real church, that none of this is going to be exposed. I do not believe law enforcement or military has the capability of exposing this thing on a spiritual level, because this has a spiritual root. The church has to expose it through prayer, through fasting, um, through, you know, praying in, um, just like Ezekiel 8 and other places in Scripture, where it took God actually revealing these satanic things that were happening in secret. And oftentimes, all of these things are happening in secret. They require the Holy Spirit moving in and revealing them. And so that is essentially what we settled on and what we felt our calling was, was just to make a film that was a screaming wake-up call to the body of Christ and not necessarily a film for skeptics. But that is the number one conversation that I have with people that would like to see the the subject improved upon is doing a film – um, specifically in that style, exposing those stories from every angle, trying to gather as much evidence as possible. And Tom and I have actually been working on the idea of uh, another film. I, I'll tell you in private, but we don't like to give all of our cards away, you know, before <laughs> before we start engaging in these projects because that can be dangerous. Um, but it would be much more along the lines of what you're talking. Talking about, and that's something that is on that we would love to do if the Lord opened up the doors um, and, and would allow us to do. It would just take a lot more money and a lot more time, and uh, but we're excited at the prospect of maybe being able to do it. Yeah. Um, also, I want to mention we I did interview Dale Griffiths, who is a world-renowned um, occult crimes investigator, um, who's just he, he used to be one of the number one guys. You know, in the country, people would call him to go out, you know, and investigate and get his opinion. He, uh, they would bring him in to uh, be an expert witness in um, in um, court cases. So he he did get interviewed in the film, but I cut him out, and it, that was a hard decision to cut him out. But I had to do something because the film was two, over two hours long, and I didn't. I just I thought, man, if I get people to hang in there this long, I'm going to be doing, I'm not making, I wasn't making the film for like hardcore fans, like people that love this stuff. You know, I made, um, there's actually a DVD, a bonus DVD that you can buy. If you go to detestablefilm.com or go to throughtheblack.com, you can get there through that. And there's a bonus DVD of two hours of extra footage for all the hardcore um, fans of this stuff that really like to research with even more footage. You know, I have even more than that that I didn't release, but I didn't want to release five DVDs of extra footage. I just got the best stuff. And uh, there's a little bit of an interview with Dale, the law enforcement officer, on that. 
extra DVD. Well, and here's here's a story we haven't really told everybody. Hold on, either. we're actually running out of time, guys. Um, we got a oh. few minutes left. Uh, Jared, let me direct this at you. Why are the fallen ones driving people to do detestable things to one another? Man, it is it, it, because they they their entire mission in life is to 180 degrees flip what God has established, and you see it all the way back in Enoch when the watchers descended on Mount Hermon and began to teach men detestable things. That is what they do. They take holy things and they profane them in this war against God. And uh, we are we are casualties in a battle that we don't fully comprehend, and they care nothing about us. And uh, they're jealous of the relationship, the, the potential relationships that we can have with God Almighty. And in this warfare, we are nothing but cattle to them. And that is why it is so important to push back with all of the tools that God has given us to um, perpetuate the holiness of God, to praise Him, and wage war against the ones that rebel against Him. And what we see being done, these abominations that happen in secret, make no mistake about it, they are a direct rebellion against God Almighty. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. I really hope we can get together again here pretty soon because I want to go into some more details about uh, you know, how do we help people who have been abused in these ways? How do we identify occult activity? How do we approach the leaders of our congregations about this topic? Um, all that stuff deserves its own show, I think. So hopefully you guys can come back on. Sure, man. Anytime. We'd love to. Love to. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Until next time, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Watchmen out.